True Multifamily is an On Air Brands production and a proud member of the On Air Brands Network. This is True Multifamily, the show where we dive in on what really happens after closing a multifamily property. We're going to expose the role of asset manager. That's a person who has a responsibility of seeing the vision, executing the plan, and managing people, budgets, and timelines, all to deliver returns for our investors. These are the real struggles, the real victories, and the real stories of asset management. Welcome back to another episode of True Multifamily. I am here with Luke Debro. Luke, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great, Justin. Every day above ground's a good day, so happy to be here talking <laughs> Sure, sure, sure. And uh, Luke, you are not a stranger to podcasting. Let's get this out of the way off the top. And I want to not waste any time and tell us about the podcast that you have uh, that, that you're, you can promote here. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate you asking about it. So we uh, my fiance and I, Daisy, we have a podcast, Multifamily Real Estate Investing for Millennials. It's called Make It Rain. And uh, we just speak directly to millennials. We have a lot of millennials on the on the show and end up going over anything and everything related to multifamily real estate investing. That's so great. And uh, you're already, what, 20 episodes in that are out and uh, growing quickly and you've had some really great guests. And what I love is that on your podcast, you have had so many episodes about property and asset management already. Uh, I can see you're like, breaking the norm of percentages because usually shows are about, you know, capital raising and getting your first deal and all that and not as much about asset management. So I'm very excited to have you on to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, definitely happy to happy to do so. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, we just didn't see that as many people were talking about that specifically. And we mm-hmm. thought it was something that was really important because that's where the money's made a lot of times or the money's lost. So uh, we decided sure. to focus on that, you know. Listeners of this show know that very well. That is what we preach every single episode, that that is really where the value is made. And and, uh, and they know that. And that's why they're here. So we appreciate all of our True Multifamily listeners. Um, but talk a little bit about the millennial aspect of your podcast. Like why focus on that one uh, one age range? I think, it's, I think it's really two things, Justin. I mean, one, when we were figuring out what type of podcast we wanted to end up doing, we... We ended up doing sort of like some market research, looked at what was out there, looked at what people were talking about. And there just wasn't anything that was really focused and speaking directly to millennials. And there's so many, obviously, right? There's so many of us. Um, and so we want to be able to, to speak to them directly. And the flip side of that also is that people a lot of times end up seeing real estate, generally speaking, as as sort of this, this industry that's for older people. It's like this old man's game, so to speak. And so we wanted to be able to let people know, hey, you can... You you can do it too. You know, we're doing it. Um, and you can end up learning from, from us and then the other millennials out there. I could not agree more. And uh, we've got to uh, do what we can to uh, bring down that average age of the real estate investors. So Luke uh, agreed. If you guys want to check out his show, it's on Apple and, and Google podcasts and everywhere you can get a podcast, go ahead, check out, make it rain. Um, and uh, you guys do a great job on that show. So, so really nice. Um, but let's talk, let's, I skipped over your background. Let's talk about a little bit about your background and how you got into investing and some of the projects you've been involved in so far. Yeah, definitely. I ended up reading uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm sure this is where a lot of people end up starting. Um, but I read that back in 2012 after finishing graduate school. Uh, and I think it ended up resonating with me quite a bit. Um, I didn't quite have it figured out what to do, what path to end up going down but about three years ago uh, I had the opportunity to invest as an LP and you know 
in between the, those five years, I was doing a bunch of self-education on my own and learning more and more. Um, but having the opportunity to invest as an LP has been great. Um, and so I ended up going down that path first and was just thinking, oh, I'll just be an LP and just do that for eternity, so to speak. Um, but have gotten much more uh, interested and, and active and pursuing being a GP now and syndicating deals and, uh, I don't know, being able to run the show, so to speak. And so that's, that's the gist of the, of the story. We can, we can dive into any particular part. I like that you, it's interesting because not so many people start uh, syndication by being an LP. So I think that's very interesting and, and very smart. Can you talk about the, the mindset there and, and why you decided to do that? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to have access to uh, a deal that was bigger, number one, um, something that was uh, more diversified in terms of being able to diversify and spread that risk out also. Um, and, you know, being able to take as much advantage of the wealth building opportunities that are there within real estate. And I didn't have the time to end up being active full time, nor did I have the knowledge at that point. Of course, you know, you can end up just starting out and it's a sink or swim sort of thing. Um, but I was a little bit more risk averse. Uh, and so decided to go that route, learn as much as I could uh, along in the process um, and not necessarily have to be active. Um, the last thing I wanted to do was to be a property manager um, because I, because that's a very, very hands-on business. And I understand that definitely. And so that's why I ended up definitely going down that, that passive route and not choosing to go with uh, any groups that were investing in my home state of California, but going to a little bit more business friendly state like, uh, like Texas. Absolutely. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, now let's talk about what you learned because your goal you said was to, to get in there and learn and see how it's done. So tell me about that as an LP, you know, how much visibility do you have into the project and, and do you have the ability to ask questions and, and just what, what's that process like? Yeah. So the, the group that I'm invested with, um, I don't know, can I mention their name or is that, does that matter or not? Matter? No, that's fine. You can or not it, up to you. No big deal. Yeah. So it's Wild Horde Capital. Um, and I actually invested in two of their first deals, um, that they had. And so Wildhorn Capital is out in uh, their headquartered, I guess, here in LA and then out in Austin, Andrew Campbell and Reed Goosens. And, uh, so the things that I've ended up learning has been everything from, from, what what monthly expenses should end up looking like for per, on a per unit basis to what cap rates should really end up being in the market to what how bad uh, a property how bad a bad property manager can really drive down the NOI. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I mean, they've been super open um, uh, from the very beginning, just being able to end up asking any questions that they had, um, being able to like, have read on the podcast as well has been awesome. Um, being able to, I, you know, to give you an indication, right? So I ended up doing my own underwriting. So they had their pro forma. I ended up doing like my own sensitivity analysis as well to back check. I'm like, okay, so how bad do things have to get? until I lose money. Like yeah, what? Yeah. I'm very much about capital preservation. Sure. I do not want to lose the, the initial investment. And of course. I was asking, you know, a couple of poignant questions and, and uh, Reed ended up just actually sending over his, his spreadsheet on the first deal that they were doing. And it was, and it was uh, way more in depth than I needed, but that just kind of shows the level of, uh, of access and information that they were willing to provide um, from the very beginning. Oh, that's great. And then, and so, 
it sounds like you have more involvement than just a monthly update that you're getting. You know, you're asking questions. You're obviously very inquisitive because you came into the, with the mindset of wanting to do that in the future and, and grow into it. So talk about then what attracted you to these properties and some of your, like what your, your experience as an LP is leading to how you're building your business and setting up your plans for your own syndication. Definitely. Um, so, so I guess for the property specifically, one, they were in business friendly States uh, where that was number one. Um, it was where there was population growth um, as well. So they're in central Texas and both are in San Antonio. Um, the other part two was being a, the assets were in good areas. So they're both B class assets in B areas. So um, that was, that was something that attracted me to them as well. Um, we ended up doing, my fiance and I, we ended up doing some due diligence and actually went and did secret shopping on them as well. Like before we just they bought them. Before yeah. They, okay. Yeah. Before, before putting money in, because that was, I mean, we just, I needed to know what the hell I was putting my money into. And I wanted to see, okay, well, how does the property manager interface with customers and, and pr- prospective tenants when they're coming in, you know, I wanted to see the area more. So I wanted to see what kind of cars were there in the parking lot. I mean, anything and everything is trying to get a qualitative feel because the numbers are the numbers and that's great, but you know, it's only so far that it can go. So, um, a lot of that's informed the way that I end up evaluating deals now, being able to being able to look at an area and think like, okay, is this generally speaking, is this somewhere where I would feel comfortable living? You know, um, as much as there are those, there are the numbers and the statistics, of course, which I dive into. I like to dive into because I'm you know an engineer by education. It's like you know people need a place to live that they feel safe and that they want their family to be at. And if, if that's a base for what they're able to have, then, um, then that's a good property at the, at the very least. And so, um, you know, where we're targeting has continued to be Texas, uh, for a number of reasons that I already mentioned those macro and micro indicators, but then also, um, from a legislative perspective, uh, how they, go about doing things, um, a bit better than, than some other States, uh, at this time. So that's, that's, that's informed a lot of, of, uh, where we're headed. Well, I think that you will find another benefit in scale as well, just scaling in one geographic area. I mean, we've seen that on mm-hmm. our assets as well. And we really just focus on two markets because it allows us to, to have some power and have some power with contractors and um, management efficiencies and sharing staff and, you know, just all these other things that you don't really think about you know, as a standalone property, but when you have uh, multiple in the same area, it can be really beneficial. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also if you're traveling from California to Texas, you know, you don't want to go to Texas and then Kansas and then this and that, and like all these other places, if you're scattered, it makes sense to really focus in. So um, I think you'll, you'll find that will really help. So you are, you told me before uh, this, we started talking that you want to syndicate yourself and you're, you're sort of getting your team together. Talk about that process and you know, how, how do you know who you need on your team and how do you know uh, what you have and, and, and what you need to, to join you? Yeah, that's a good question. So we've started out with lawyers and it's, it's sort of like a, a learning curve along the way. But um, 
every, everybody from lawyers, both real estate and securities lawyers to brokers as well, to, um, to partners that are specifically focused on, on capital raising. Um, and then also KPs, if we're looking to get institutional lending to capital raising partners will also have a key role in the operation of the business as required by sec regulations. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're 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 going to be there from day one through absolutely. day uh, of through day ninety nine, right? <laughs> um, and so, you know, we have we have those pieces that that have either been built out already or are continuing to be built out. But then the other part too is is once we have those different those KPs that are going to that are going to be on that deal, it's finding out from them. Okay, so you've run the course, you've done this already. Who else do we need that we're missing? Who else do you recommend? Whether it's a property manager, title company, um, uh, gen general contractor, if there's one in that specific area who's going to be turning the units and uh, doing value add. So those are the pieces that we're still building out um, at this point. And yeah, as we're talking, this is early, early to mid-September. So that's where we are right now, Justin. That's great. That's great. And uh, so you have the location generally, right? You have the general property size. How are you going to raise money? Is it friends and family or are you going to go the accredited route? What's the plan? That's a good question too. So right now we've been, it's, it's been a bit of both really. Um, so part of it is letting people know that this is something that we're doing that, you know, these are our investment criteria. These are our target investment criteria. This is what we're looking at. Once there is a deal, we'll be able to present it to you, of course. And then the other part too is that there, there are partners that we've that we've gotten on our team now that have access to some international um, investors as well in uh, in Asia. And so, you know, they're they're very uh, friendly relations with the U.S. of course, um, but uh, but working with them as well. And so, and we're walking them through the process too of like, like just last night we had a call and, and they're asking, okay, what does due diligence look like? Like, cause they're thinking it's a fund and it's like, well, it's not, you know, it's not a fund because they're used to the PE route, the private equity route. Right. It, it, you know, it's more of a, it's a syndication. So it works a bit differently. So that's, that's really what we're doing as far as capital raising is concerned. Okay. Well, it sounds like you're the, you've got a really good plan. You, you jumped in through the LP side, you've learned, you've got now some, some potential mentors and partners and the folks that have been running those deals, certainly a play, a few places you can turn and, and get some guidance as you go and you're building that whole team. Um, so that's very, very exciting. And, and I hope that you'll come back and um, update us as you go. And as that first indication comes on, um, but you do have a story for me about a smaller property that you promised me was a, a real good one about property management. And we love to uh, emphasize the important of property management on this show as well. Um, I've been burned by by many, um, I wouldn't say many, but quite a few property managers. And and uh, every time we've got to turn around a property, it, you know, taking out a, a PM and putting a new one in is, is always a hassle. So uh, set up, set it up and, and tell it to us. Yeah. So there was two smaller properties that actually my parents owned um, and they owned them for about a decade or so. Um, uh, well, maybe a little bit more, but I ended up getting involved because they weren't getting rent on them. You know, they didn't know what was going on. They lived far away from them. They lived like three hours away from both of those smaller properties. And so me and my brother, who's two years older than me, we ended up getting involved and we said, Hey mom and dad, like, we're going to go there. We're going to figure out what's going on. We're going to visit the properties. And we ended up going there. One, there was, there was like a leak. I mean, there, number one, they both look like crap. One had a leak. Um, one had a, a tenant who wasn't on the actual lease. 
Um, and they, so, you know, the tenant was subletting and so that was going on. Um, we actually walked that specific property with the property manager mm-hmm. and, um, she didn't know what was going Like she hadn't been there in God knows how long, <laughs> oh, um, no. all the tenants, all the tenants spoke Spanish. She didn't speak any Spanish. I, I do speak Spanish. And so I was able to communicate and figure out like, oh, they're subletting. Oh, they think there's a leak. Oh, this thing is going on. Mm. So that was one. The other one um, had a, a lot of damage to it. Um, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of damage. Partly what was going on is that there weren't in great areas. There, I would say C, solid C classes, solid C class assets and solid C class areas. So that, you know, I don't even know what type of background they ended up doing in terms of being able to, to have income verification as well. So it was just, it was just a mess, you know, on both of them. Yeah. Um, so obviously. So, we, so what happened? I mean, so actually yeah. let, let me pause and reflect real quick on, on to this point in the story, because. Um, there was a problem, you know, your, your parents were, were not happy with the performance of this property and you'll see this on, on, I know you said these are smaller properties, but on any level of multifamily it could be a 300 unit property. Um, if you're not getting the performance, like, yeah, you gotta get there. And, and even before there's a problem, um, we visit all of our properties every four to six weeks, depending on how much renovation is happening. And so you get there and that's when you really get the truth because the, the PM can point a very small narrow picture for you and even send you pictures and videos, but they're still only showing you exactly what they want you to see. And until you're there looking around and very importantly, like you said, speaking to the tenants uh, is when you get the full picture. So good on you for taking that action and getting there and actually sort of doing that next level of investigation to figure out uh, what was needed. Um, And that's something that will absolutely transfer into the the larger and larger properties. But then like, what do you do next? Like you've got, you've got, you know, renovation issue or or, uh, um, property issues and the place is falling apart and the tenants are subletting. Like how do you, how do you clean this up? Yeah. So obviously we fired that property manager because they weren't, they weren't worth anything. And, uh, we ended up doing uh, a, round, a round of interviews with about half a dozen different property managers and ended up finding one who we felt uh, we aligned with. Uh, he himself um, had been in the game for decades and then he had his own investment properties as well. So he, you know, he, he knew what he was doing ultimately. Um, and so he went in there, of course, ended up turning around the tenants, uh, doing the improvements on the, one of the properties that needed to be done. And then they ended up cash flowing from there. Whereas before they weren't, it's like, who would have thought even, even if it is, even if it is a C class area, right. In a C in a C class asset, who would have thought that if you have solid tenants in there and that if you have a good property manager that you actually have a cash flowing asset, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's actually really like the recipe for it, right? Solid tenants and a good manager. And, and it works, believe it or not, it actually works, right? Uh, but that, that manager is, is the key. And, and it's amazing that some managers will just be happy to let, let things go and, and not take as much initiative. And sometimes you have to be the one to do that. Um, but good on you for finding someone else that also was an investor that understood your goals and was able to, to see your vision through. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was, uh, it was a good learning experience for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, my parents were happy that my brother and I ended up going in there and I mean, we weren't, we were doing it because it was felt like it was crazy. It's like, what is going on? We, <laughs> yeah. we were frustrated, you know, yeah. we didn't get our money. It's not even, you know, we yeah. have literally nothing to do with it, but we we're just frustrated. Like what the hell is going on here? Like, this is crazy. You know? Mm-hmm. 
Um, so yeah, definitely some lessons learned um, with that. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, hey, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, good, good lessons learned there that will will transfer through as you go and evaluate property managers on the large multifamily syndications that you're about to get into. Um, so, Luke, tell us again where uh, the true multifamily audience can find out more about you and listen to your show. Definitely. So we're on all podcast platforms. Like you mentioned, we're make it rain multifamily real estate investing for millennials. Definitely put in the full name because there's another podcast out there called make it rain. And it is not about multifamily real estate investing. Okay. <laughs> so tell us one more time, the full name, make it rain multifamily real estate investing for millennials. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And then we'll sure you get all of that in there. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it'll be, it'll be apparent that it's not about uh, multifamily <laughs> when you see, when you see the cover art, that's for sure. Okay, uh, good. The cover <laughs> art. You don't have to like get 10 minutes in and then realize, wait, where's the real estate? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and so we're also on uh, we're also on Instagram at, at make it rain podcast. And then uh, on the interwebs at make it rain podcast.com. Excellent. Luke DeBro, we are very much looking forward to uh, following you and having you back on the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Guys, if you want to hear more about Luke, uh, get links to all of his information that he just listed there that will be up on our website, truemultifamily.show. Please make sure you leave us a great rating and review. We would love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode. Check out our website at truemultifamily.show. And if you have an amazing story to tell, share it on our Facebook community, and you might just be the next guest on the show. We're also on all other social networks. Just search True Multifamily. I'm really, really proud to have the show produced by our company, On Air Brands. Check us out at onairbrands.com. We also have an incredible, unique podcasting event that we would love for you to be a part of. Check that out at podmax.co.